0: I like that image. The, yeah? Oh yes. Oh yeah, like that. The leap from two thousand and nineteen to two thousand and twenty. I like that image. In a few days it will be the start of a new year. And by common analysis, though some statisticians would disagree with it, uh, the start of a new decade too. And so I, I kind of want to ask some questions this morning. I'm not being morbid, you know, not say you're all going to disappear and go. But where do you think you'll be in a year or even ten years from now? Yeah, exactly. You'll be happy. Good for you. Second to that is, who will you be? I don't mean you'll have changed identity, but you see, you know, good old Pingle Pilgrim's Progress, the great... um, a book by John Bunyan, depicts the Christian life as being a journey. And we change on the journey. We Christians don't stay the same. We're to live in constant change and growth and development. So, who will you be in a year or ten years' time is a very valid question if you're a person of faith, if you're a Christian. You know... Let's, let's go back a bit to where we picked up that video earlier. Times change. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a season for everything and a time for every purpose under heaven. And, uh, you know, in in a year, maybe not a lot changed. Though this last year, quite a bit changed in, in our nation. In a year, not a lot changes, but quite a bit in five years. And in ten years, the change between... 2020 and 2030, could be huge. Some change is incremental. It, it, it's like the, when the seasons change. They, they, there isn't like, oh, it's spring, wow, look at that. You know, there's, there's, there's a process of transfer and change. But the other change comes through crises, through big events, which are unpredictable, which just happen. just come, And... Uh, We're heading now to midwinter, but in March we'll see spring returning again, and by July, August we may be up again in record-breaking summer heat. But sometimes we are so bogged down with the routine, with the the next one, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, we don't see, we don't look at the big picture. We don't look at the big picture of life. Who could have predicted a year ago that we would have, you know... Boris Johnson in. Wow. Who would predict the events of a coming year? You know, only fools predict politics or interpret unfulfilled biblical prophecy and make firm predictions about things. We began through the book of Daniel on Sunday mornings. God declared that these empires would come and go, succeeding one another until the time came for Jesus the Messiah to appear. Other empires since those days have come and gone, including the British Empire. And they deserve to die. There are reasons and seasons and cycles to this world, this age, this age, but God's people, God's children, endure and live through all of those changes because, as we saw in the video earlier, God does not change. I, the Lord, do not change. He says through the prophet Malachi. Therefore you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Whatever troubles and trials come to us in life, the greatest trouble that could ever happen to any one of us is that God changed. Therefore we could no longer rely on him. We couldn't be sure of his covenant kindness and love. We couldn't depend upon his truthfulness. Therefore his faithfulness to do what he says. If those anchors were taken away, that would be the worst thing that could ever happen to us as a human race, if God changed. The Almighty has made things that grow old, that change and grow old, but He does not. He is by very nature the Eternal One, the One who was and is and is to come and isn't traveling through time as we are. He's eternal in nature. He doesn't vary. James 1 says, every good Gift and perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. God doesn't cast shadows. He's full of light. There's no change in him. It's not now we'll look at it, now we'll do it this way. No, no, now we're going to do it that way. God is certain and steadfast and pushing in the same direction with his kind love towards us all the time. So, the, the old hymn, Great in Thy Faithfulness, begins this way Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not. This is very heavy, Victorians pretending to be Shakespearean, never mind. Thou changest not, Thy compassions they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever will be. That's the bedrock of our faith as God has been, he forever will be. The old hymn, Abide With Me, which is sung at uh, FA Cup finals since the 1920s, and the Rugby League final in the North, every year since the 1920s, they sing the first and last verses of Abide With Me. is part of one verse. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changes not. Abide with me. Stay close to me, Lord. But the Lord Jesus put it the other way around. And I'm going to dig into a few things there that will help us to understand how we can be somewhere in a year's time or ten years' time. How we can set a goal, and a goal depends upon hope not hope in ourselves and in our own resources and our own strength and our own wisdom, but in God. Therefore it rests upon God's grace. We know his goodness and his faithfulness and he will continue to be good and faithful and help us. This is what Jesus said. Live, remain, abide is the kind of good old word there. It means stay, live, remain in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides on the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide, live, remain in me, and my words live and remain in you, You'll ask whatever you desire. It's talking about prayer there. And it shall be done for you. And then further down. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. The way we negotiate a changing world and a changing time and the change of seasons and cycles and the rise and fall of governments and of economies and even of nations is by clinging... To what does not change. And a number of times in the scriptures, God is called the rock. The rock. Let me remind you that despite the prayer of some well meaning Christians and even some who prophesy, you cannot live with a hedge of protection around you that keeps you from all the dangers and challenges of life. It doesn't exist. God helps us through our trials through the difficulties. The Bible doesn't lay out for us a, a, you know, a, a, a bed of rose petals. People talk about a bed of roses. Does that include the thorns? I'm not so sure about it. That's a good idea. <clears throat> you know, a, a beautiful I down quilt to flop out on and just relax and float through life. You know, life isn't like that and the Bible doesn't say it's like that. The Bible depicts the children of God going through and enduring the ups and downs of life by His grace. His kindness, His help, His strength, His wisdom, His supply. We live through the seasons and cycles and changes of life by living by faith in Him. Let me remind you of this story that Jesus told. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, knows that not just remembers them, but does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it didn't fall, for it was founded on the rock. Jesus knows what he's doing talking about the rock, because the Old Testament is full of images of God being our rock. Then he goes on. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Now I want you to notice the description of those events are the same for the man who built his house on the rock and for the man who built his house on the sand, the same events came to them. Life came to them the same. It was just as challenging, just as devastating. But the one who had built his house on the rock, in other words, had believed and acted on the words of Jesus, survived the storm. But the one who didn't, the house fell, and great was the fall of it. The storms that come upon the world and upon us as persons, as individuals, will test our foundations too. But if we're built upon our rock, we will endure. I found this from Charles Spurgeon, great Victorian preacher. I've learned to kiss the wave that slams me into the rock of ages. Whatever drives me back to him, in other words. The Lord is with us in every circumstance. But we change, and we are, we are supposed to change. Some change is inevitable. We grow older. We experience life through seasons, times, changes. Uh, and when we grow older, we don't get any fitter or any stronger. We have to fight against age and its influence. If someone tells me that I haven't changed in the past 10 or 20 years, I wonder what glasses they're wearing. I surely didn't look like this that those many years ago. Please tell me that. No. So my question again is this: where, where will you be, and where will you be in ten years or a year's time? We need to change. If we're not changing, we're probably not growing. The French philosopher and writer Anatole France says this: If we don't change, we don't grow. If we don't grow, we aren't really living. If you are living, you should be growing and changing. We can't avoid growing older, but we choose whether to grow up. How we handle life and change and challenge, even growing older, how do we handle that thing? By looking at Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 12. It's too small, you can't read it. Let me read it to you. Therefore, since we have such hope, in future grace, future glory. We use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not look at steadily at the end of what was glory that was fading away, their minds were blinded. Until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. In other words, Jewish people don't understand these things about Jesus because the veil is taken away in Christ. It goes on. The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. There is freedom. But we all as Christians, followers of Jesus, we all with unveiled face, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Then Paul goes further on in the next chapter. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, we're getting older, some of you are still to reach your prime, you know, you, you haven't hit your late 20s and early 30s yet. Mm, it comes, it goes. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Paul was talking about himself and he was old before his time because he'd been beaten and he'd been flogged and his body was wrecked by these, these, these things and other diseases and trials. His outward man was perishing, but his inward man, His inner being was being renewed day by day. For our light, momentary affliction, which is just a moment, sorry, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We don't look at the things that are seen, but at things which are not seen. We don't look at seeing the things which are temporary, but at things which are eternal. Let me be very practical about this. I'm going to go to Peter for his closing comments in his second letter. 2 Peter 3, verse 17. And he's written about, in the letter, a warning about false teachers and false prophets and people who mislead people and, and, and tell them, uh, mis- lead them away from Jesus. And he's warned about that and he's very, very clear about that. And Jude writes a very similar letter, but a shorter letter. And then he's closing up his argument. In 2 Peter three seventeen. he says, You, therefore, my loved ones, since you know these things beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, your enduring in faith, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. That translation, I believe, is the accurate one. It is both grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Those two things are set together there, aside, apart from one another. Grace and knowledge. Talk about grace for a minute. Grace in Jesus, from God the Father, accepts us forgives us, cleanses us from our past and gives us a new beginning. It's wonderful grace, isn't it? But grace doesn't stop there. Those are, again to quote Spurgeon, the foothills of grace. There's a a further upward journey in grace. Grace comes and equips us and empowers us to live a new life through faith in Jesus. We deal with all of life by receiving the grace of God through Faith in Jesus. The Bible says the just, the the Christian, the believer will live by faith. So we come to him in every challenge of life, every trial, to deal with every crisis, to deal with every offense, every obstacle, every disappointment. We bring them to him and we find grace from God. Hebrews says that we, 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 we can come with boldness into the presence of God to receive grace and mercy to help us in time of trouble. And it's not just big troubles, also sorts of small troubles. There's small troubles that eat away at your heart and cause you to be weary and worn out and worn away sometimes. The way people have dealt with you, the way people have treated you. That's enough to get you kind of grinding your teeth sometimes, isn't it? But we bring them to God and find grace to help us. There are some crises in life that are just big impact, you know, the, the big sea, cancer, unemployment, all sorts. They they just knock us. And we need the grace of God and the support of our brothers and sisters at times like that. Praise of the saints and the arm around the shoulder, and even a shoulder to cry on. And there are times as Christians when we, we mustn't deal lightly, glibly with the hurt that people are going through. There are times for us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Yes? To empathize, to share in the difficulty. But there's a lot of life which is not such a big deal. Yet it is still difficult. In the general run of life, the daily troubles, the conflicts, the setbacks, we have a choice in that process between, excuse me if I'm going to be glib here, but between groaning or growing. We can complain or we can get grace. Yeah. We, can, we can even natter about it with people or we can go and talk to the Lord about it and ask for Him for some help. Yeah. It says, grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which means we, 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 we live life as a process of getting grace to deal with life, whatever life is at that point in time whatever the challenge is, whatever the disappointment is. Whatever the, the, the joy is, because we can get drunk on our joys, then we wonder why we get a hangover afterwards. I'm not talking about alcohol, I'm talking about emotion. We can, we can embrace the high and become so high with the high that when the high self will go, what's the matter now? What happened to me? Life has ups and downs. And I'm not saying we level them out and we just live like... Mm. We don't need to do that. But we need to accept that life has ups and downs and whether it's an up or a down, we need God's grace to handle it. We need Him to give us wisdom so we know how to be and we know what to do. We know what to say. We need God to give us mercy so we deal with people with kindness. We let them off sometimes. Well, they don't deserve it. No one ever deserves anything. Get over it. Yes. You don't either. Yes, right. Absolutely. We need God to supply us with love. We need Him to help us many times with courage. For even when we know what is the right thing to do or the right thing to say, we need Him to put the deposit of courage conviction in our hearts. So when the moment is right, we step into it and we do or say what we know we should. And when what we're going to do as a Christian is going to be resisted or resented, then you need courage, don't you? You need the courage of a lion. Well, our Lord, our Master, can give you courage. We depend upon Him for His supply in those moments. It prepares us for the moment, but then in the moment. And by the way, I've never had courage before I needed it. If I wait until I feel brave, you never, you never start. You kind of go, okay, here goes. And as you step, suddenly the Holy Spirit gives you inspiration and courage to get on, get on and take hold of that moment. And progress in life, pursuing goals and ambitions, is about taking the moment. Not backing off. Asking the question. Making the statement. Doing whatever is appropriate by the grace of God according to how he's helped you with supplying you with wisdom. As you've prayed, you've asked of him, you've received something from him, you have a clue about what to do, you need to go and do it. But you don't think you've got to wait till you're brave enough to do it. You'll be waiting for a week or more. You just have to see the situation, see the opportunity. Oh, the boss is sitting at his desk and he's, he's not doing anything right now. I can talk to him now. Step in. The Holy Spirit will give you the words, will give you the courage to do what he's doing. Grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just being forgiven for the things you do wrong. It's finding help to do life. 24-7. And it's available to us. Grace is always available to us from our unchanging God through our Master, the Lord Jesus. It also says, grow in knowledge. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we know all that He knows, He's omniscient. But we know what we need to know from Him. When Paul was in prison, and he wrote a few letters to the churches from prison, he couldn't travel. He couldn't preach and teach. He couldn't train others. But he still, according to Philippians 3, had something he was pursuing with all his heart. Anybody remember what Philippians 3 tells us Paul was pursuing? That I may know him. That I may know him. Knowing Christ. Firstly, you need to know him as Lord and Savior. And I'm glad that the New King James and one or two other translations go with the version, the Greek version that has the word saviour in there because you can't, some people you know, it's a kind of liberal Christianity that says, oh we just want to follow Jesus as an example you can't follow him as an example if he's not first your saviour if he hasn't forgiven you for being the, the hopeless case you were and stood you back on your feet and given a new start, how can you begin to follow him? And if, if you can't see him and hear him, how are you going to follow him? So, you're not, you cannot follow a Jesus, that oh, you always imagine Jesus to be like that, so I'm going to follow him. Who cares how you imagine him to be? The Bible tells us how he is. We need to examine the record. The scriptures testify of me, says Jesus. And he was talking then about just the Old Testament. How much better than even now? We've got the New Testament, we've got the Gospels, the precious Gospels. We can soak ourselves in getting to know Jesus. And when we can see him and we can hear him, first of all, we acknowledge that he is our Savior. He has rescued us, he has paid the price for our forgiveness on the cross of Calvary. We're redeemed. The atonement, the, the atonement, the reconciliation between God and us has been made in Jesus. And on the basis of that, grace follows grace upon grace. John says, read it the other week, of his fullness of we all received in grace upon grace. doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Grace is not a historical event. It's a continuing process. And that grace helps us to grow and to change. So if you want to know Jesus more, read the Scriptures. And uh, all the Scriptures, but... Focus on the Gospels particularly. Get to know him. You can't follow someone you can't see. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. So we serve him. We obey him. We treat his words as imperatives, not suggestions. You know, someone once said God didn't write the Ten Suggestions, so they were Ten Commandments. It's human nature that rebels against anything being a commandment and being an instruction. We say, no, I don't want to be told what to do. None of us want to be told what to do. But it's called sin. That's <laughs> the wicked human heart. We do not want to be told what to do. All right? The fact is, God tells us some things for our good, to keep us from evil, to keep us from harm. And Jesus gave us commandments and gave us the greatest commandment, the new commandment, to love one another as he's loved us. So for this new year, here is my prayer for us, and maybe for the next decade. Though, um, yeah, decade from now I'll be 74 going on 75. What? Hmm. So, for this new year, here's my prayer for us that we live more in and for Jesus, that we're building our lives on this rock. Then whatever tides, storms, seasons, changes come, we are on our own course of change because we're growing to be more like Him. Remember, He invites us to live and remain in Him and to live and remain in His love. Stay where the love of God in Christ warms your heart. Choose to do the things that you know keep you close to the heart of God. Choose not to do the things you know cause there to be some sense of distance between you and the heart of God. I'm amplifying what it says in Jude 13, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the invitation of Jesus. Live, remain in me. Live and remain in my love. We don't just have Jesus to fall back on in difficult times when the big crises happen. We can choose to live in him and to remain in him and remain in his love. It's a choice we make. It's an invitation he gives us, an instruction he gives us. We can obey that and respond to that. Lastly, I'm going to read Ephesians 3, verse 14 to you. I haven't got a screen for this. One of Paul's prayers to the, in writing to the Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, that's the Tuna Church, in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened. This is this Strength. From coming by the grace of God, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's my ambition for you all. What is your ambition, your goal? What do you hope for in the next year, the next decade? Are there things that can easily be shifted and changed and taken away as easily as given? Or are you set, setting your heart on something which is of such great value that even when the world is destroyed, you will still have it. A life built upon faith in the rock. Following Jesus, living in him, remaining in his love. Let's pray. Jesus, our loving Master, we thank you for your precious words that draw us closer to you. Sometimes we do only really turn to you when the waves are crashing. But you want us to find the source of life and the hope of life and every bit of strength and grace and wisdom we need for life in and through living in you, depending upon you. Lord, in these days, as we work through into a new year, and uh, the turnover into a new year is one we, we'd like to celebrate in many ways, I pray that our vision may be broadened beyond the routine of life to the purpose and direction our lives are travelling. We'll have goals and ambitions in our hearts which are to do with things which can never be taken away from us, and never be changed. And we ourselves, Lord, acknowledge we're on a journey and we've come some distance by your grace, but we have a distance yet to go. And there's still more change to be brought about in, in us through how we respond to life by the supply of your grace. We thank you you've saved us from our past by grace through faith and you are still continuing to save and change us by grace through faith. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.